You can support the Dungeon Masters Dojo in some very simple ways. Be patronizing, like Lou, and become a patron on Patreon and unlock exclusive patron content. Or if you're like Scott and long-term commitment is an issue, you can buy a Sasaki, shop our merch page for DMD swag, or use our drive through RPG affiliate link next time you shop drive through RPG. Or visit us on the web at the DungeonMastersDojo.com. There, you'll find links to all the above. Don't forget to email us and say hello. Thanks for listening. Role-playing. A noun. The acting out of the part of a particular person or character, for example, as a technique in training or psychotherapy. Specific guidelines need to be followed for role-playing to be effective. Or participation in a role-playing game. It's five ways to get your players to role-play this week on the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your Dungeon Masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Gentlemen? You'll refer to me as Kalevala, son of the Bayarak. What? Observe my pectoral muscles. Feed them. They grow hungry. What? I'm playing the role, man. What role? How do you... What? My character. D&D is a role-playing game. Right? During play, you should be playing the role of the character you have designed. I am. I'm I gonna, have designed... I'm walking over here, and I'm going to pick this up, and I'm going to put it down. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. <sighs> he just doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. This is why he runs the board. Right. But, <laughs> but how can you, as a DM encourage your players to play that role and portray their character that they have designed. Because, right, we know that a player, player spends a lot of time putting their character together. Well, a, a seasoned player. A seasoned, a seasoned player does. And let's, but we're, we're probably talking about the people who haven't really played a lot or, Someone who basically plays themselves and just gives a different name, right? Or, or maybe it's a maybe it's a a player that has played a great deal but has never had that role playing part of the game fostered in them. True, they you know it could be a lot of a very technical game that they're used to. Yeah, yeah. I, or they've come from one of those strategic games like Warhammer stuff like that, where there isn't really risk. a lot of role playing. Or, or maybe they're Monopoly. shy. Could be they're, maybe shy. they're shy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as as a DM, really, um, your job is immersion, right? I mean, the game is always better when there's there's like immersion, deep immersion. Then immerse Absolutely. me, foolish one. Immerse yes. me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you never asked. How many times have I thought of holding your head under the water, Lou? How many times? <laughs> No, no, no. The baptismal pool of role-playing. That's what oh, we're going to call it. Yeah, the baptismal that's, pool of He's going to call it the toilet, but we're going to call it the, bat, the baptismal pool Prepare. of role-playing. 
for the role-playing swirly. <laughs> when you emerge, you will be a different person entirely. <laughs> Arise, Sir Lewitus. <laughs> I'll fling back my hair. <laughs> what you can't do. I can, <laughs> I can if I'm role-playing a character that has hair, right? That's it. I Only can, time. I can... I can be, and you can too, out there, listeners. You can be whoever and whatever you want to be. But to coin a phrase that I've heard from our good friends over at uh, D20 to Curtain, play the role. Play the role. That's it. Play the role. So we're going to talk to you about a few ways that you as a DM can foster role-playing at your table. Five ways. Five ways. Quick Get you warmed up. Are we ready? I, I think, think so. we're ready. Okay. Number one, have reasonable role play expectations. Not everyone is a critical role cast member. True. Right? Um, for, for a table full of, you know, accountants and, you know, firefighters and mechanics and stuff like that, they're not going to be as fine-tuned as... Um, a Hollywood actor. Correct. Right. So, so have reasonable expectations, right? Don't expect that from them. Um, expect them to, to be involved in playing this character that is different from them in, in probably many ways. Mm -hmm. Expect that there will be some similarities, right? Especially if someone is new to playing the game and role-playing games, expect that there will probably be more similarities to themselves, their real-world selves, than if maybe they were a veteran player. But even as a veteran player, some of you bleeds into oh, a portrayal of a, of, of, of a character. Oh, I practically hemorrhage. Yeah, it's a gush. <laughs> it's, it's a messy, really messy. But when you've been around as long as I have? I have. Never met a fun and happy DM Bill character. They're all cranky <laughs> and impatient. Mm. You're thinking, Lou, right? Think of one. Even back in the AD&D second edition type days, never once did he play I a jester. <laughs> yep. I can't. Dog I was can't. reasonable. He, he was. was yeah. He was never grumpy. He, he barked and occasionally would growl. Only at the enemies. He was very happy and friendly to all the players. And then there was your suburban ranger. Yes. My, oh. Um, what was his name? Tobias. Yes. Yeah, Tobias was, he, he was always happy-go-lucky. You know, always, follow me. We're, I know a great route. And, you know, he was oh, upbeat. Nobody was happy with him, but. He was upbeat all the time. Yep. He was, yeah, he was the urban ranger. We'll yeah. talk about stuff like that later on <laughs> in the year. So there you go. There's two out of, out of 75,000. years of playing, <laughs> there's been two and countless binders of characters. Two. Dos. Duh. It might be one or two more. Yeah. So have those reasonable role play expectations. Don't be too hard on your table. Don't have those expectations that... Everything is going to flow like a very well-educated, I don't well think a DM should well, have any expectations except just to have fun. Have fun, but yeah. 
Well, role play. Yeah, well, well yeah, encourage it, you know, but I mean, don't expect. Well, you, you I think you're right. Come, there, there's a certain guys, amount of yeah. Yes, you're absolutely. I think though you shouldn't go in there with expectation. You can go in there with hopes. Yes, with yeah. hopes and nurture and, and the ability to nurture and maybe uh, I wouldn't even say coach. You know, if they come to you, well, how was that? That was really good. You know, but you know, uh, then you can give small pointers. Try, try not to make sweeping changes because oh, they're not going to be able to do how it. How many times have I done that? Whether either I'm playing or GM, and how many times that Bill? You know, how did I do? Yeah, true. Yeah, actually, almost every time. Yeah, you know, we have a lot of conversations like that, especially with your game match because you're not still not comfortable with game match. Right. right. So you and I bounce stuff off each other all the time. So what happens if they do a decent job? Right. We'll reward them. How? How? There's there's a lot there's a lot of different ways. Um, inspiration is a good one. Uh, That's probably one of the best ones. Probably one of the best. Yeah, it's immediate points. gratification yep. right there. Experience points is another one. Experience, you know, extra percentage of the experience points uh, awarded to the character based on good role playing. Something as simple as, dude, you crushed it tonight. I mean, your character really came to life. You know, you did, you did such a good job because I think you need to, you need to kind of find your your flow with the character when you're brand new, because your your concept on paper is maybe different than how it is portrayed at the table. Once you once you learn the other the other characters at the table and your interactions with them, it it deviates a little bit. You know, it's like the pilot episode of a TV series. A lot of times the character has some pretty pretty big changes in presentation throughout like the first season or the second season. Right. You know, which is which is normal. And that's just not character growth, but just ironing out I think you nailed it on the head. Positive uh comments. Well yeah, okay, I'm now I'm being less shy as I come forward now. Because yeah. I'm getting a lot of positive feedback. Well, you know, positive comments. Yep. I think one of the ways I reward them is if they do slip in, you know, that into that you can see it developing. And with an NPC, I'd I'd give them that moment in their you know, a moment to shine and try to keep drawing it and drawing it through a, a, a little bit more prolonged. Maybe it was only supposed to be a chance encounter, but for whatever reason, something sparked there. I would draw that encounter out for a good five, 10 minutes, you know, and let them, let them kind of run with it and, and try to draw it out of there. And if the more animated you are, the more animated they're going to be. So I think a lot of it is, uh, by example, you know, you give them the give and take, but if you see that, that's, you know, that spark there and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, at this moment, they, they're really doing a great job. Try to draw that out. So then they have that memorable moment to come back to and say, wow, that was really good when I did that. So at, at that, uh, similar to inspiration, it's immediate gratification right then and there. So everyone's like, yeah, man, that, that wow, yeah, right there at the table. Your other players are probably going to notice it as well, oh, hopefully. Oh, well, we, yeah. we have, I won't mention his name, but we had a lone wolf character. And then Mark we've mentioned, says, we've mentioned his name before. Oh, well, then Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> he was a kind of our lone wolf. And then yeah. during Marcus's game, he, it's like he just bloomed. I was like, oh, my fucking God. Everybody yeah. was, I think everybody's jaw dropped when he just started orating his character. And I was like, holy shit, what the, who, who are you? Well, you could, no, I, I taught Andrew how to play, mm-hmm. you know, way back when, um, when he was like, you know, knee high to a shit pile. 
and he, you know, he was always been very, very, very shy, very shy, very shy. But the more comfortable he came with our group, he started coming out of his shell. Of it. And it always goes, it, it always goes the same route. First, it's they become combative, and you know, argument in character and yep. stuff like that. And you know, colorful metaphors and squares are being thrown left and right and things like that because they're they're getting a little bit more familiar with the player as well as the character. But then they realize, okay, I don't have to go that route. And then they start getting into their character because now. As a person, they have developed, and now they, they're developing their character. And then when that switch gets thrown, it's dramatic, and it happens quick. And that's what you're talking about, yeah. is Andrew became comfortable with Andrew, you know, as a player. Yep. And then all of a sudden, that transferred to his characters. And it was an almost overnight change. And now, I, I love the way he plays. Oh, I do, too. Yep. And the... You know, those those encouraging words, you know, the, that positive reinforcement is one of those things that'll bring people out of their shell and encourage more more role playing. It's like, oh, I I guess I, I am pretty, when it's coming pretty from good the whole at table. Well, validation. Yeah. Yep. yeah, it is. And validation, validation for your is efforts. very very important. Um and that's probably one of the biggest rewards you could give to someone is that positive af- affirmation. You know, you, you did a good job. Um and that encourages other people to role play. And when you role play from, you know, you got a role playing moment between two players mm-hmm. role playing their characters. That's like, that's magic. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah, like that's really, really magic, comedy, all everything, everything above. And I could, I could think of uh, hundreds of examples of, of that, that sort of thing. A- anytime your character and Corex character, <laughs> it's, it's, it's gold. It's just gold. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's fantastic stuff to see at a gaming table. You just sit the, back. And, the one thing I will say about that, though, is when you're having these, whether it's a good interaction or a bad interaction, because like me and Cork were always arguing. Just got to remember, that's the characters. That's right. not you and the person next to you. Right. So, because that will turn a lot of people, well, I don't want them to be mad at me. Well, it's a game. You're not, you know, you're not playing yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. You're playing your character. Right. Yeah. Right. Like how often, how often do you suppose in an action movie that two actors who just got done with a fist fight go back and continue it, you know, while they're at the craft services right. table, right? <laughs> they're probably just shooting the breeze and, you know. That's my glazed donut, you bastard. <laughs> that's, if that's the one thing I had to, would say, that would be. Just remember it. And that's really important. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really important. Because me and Cork would still would sit down and have we'd have a drink together and shoot the breeze for a little while after come back to the table, and then we were back at at each other's throats. The, the, the <laughs> Gravin yeah, yeah. and Iskander show. Yep. Well, I think a lot of that too, some of that um the agency on that falls to the more seasoned player. True. I yeah. think. Because they should turn around after the encounter, you know, because some people sometimes get so wrapped up in that encounter that they themselves like man that guy's a dick and you know so you get done with it and you know and you you look for a pause and go dude that was an awesome play man i love the way you played that character you know i said these guys are going to have fun back you know going back you need to define that separation yes yep you know not saying oh hey that wasn't me that was my character no once again go back to the positive reinforcement and say dude that was a great exchange oh these two characters are going to have fun bouncing off of one another i can't wait to do it again and it's like oh, oh yeah 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 it's the characters you know and that's a, and it kind of takes them out of that the heated moment yep. personally um but then when you get back into it you can draw them back into that same you know that same dynamic as characters mm-hmm. but i think the the seasoned player needs to make that definition 
with a new player or a, a, an unfamiliar player, someone new to the table that's different to, to a, uh, used to a different dynamic at a table. And that way they know, okay, all right, there is separation here. You know, he's not a dick, just his character is. Yeah, solid point on that one too. Um, that That is really, really important because you don't want hard feelings at, at the table. I, the little... Um, a little uh, conflict at the table between characters yes. is always really good. Absolutely, but Never you don't want you don't players. want to be player players. Yeah. But if you don't make that definition, and week after week that you know that those two characters keep going at it, an unseasoned player or an unfamiliar player might think that that's that person playing, you know, doing that and yeah. not the character. So, as the game master or the seasoned player, you know, those little those little interjections here and there. Saying, well, you, I love the way you guys, you know, your characters bounce off of one another and stuff like that. Or as the season player, you turn around after the game. Hey, dude, I love the way you're playing your character. I love playing my guy off of yours and yours off of mine. That's awesome. I can't wait till we get back into it again. You know, that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. In, in their head, it's like, okay, that, that separation, you know, there's a separating point there. So they know in character there's that conflict, but not with the players. But, and But it, it could bleed over. Right, but going, yeah. going you know, a little bit further to help the – We'll say the newer player. If it's yeah. two seasons players going after that, they should explain to, or somebody should explain to the newer player. Oh yeah, that, so he can see that as well. It's like that's just in game. Yeah, they're having fun. Yeah, yeah. If someone watched the two of you play. Yeah, side by side, which is fun to watch because you two argue just as much in your characters as you do in real life. Um, it's like oh great, this is the married couple is carrying on over. Um, yeah, but for someone stepping in, you're right. They're like. Okay, they're outside picking on each other. Now they're inside. They're like, do these guys really hate each other? No. Um, they've <laughs> known each other literally for decades. This is just the way they get along. That's, you know, that's, that's our the, love language. That's, <laughs> 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 all right, so we'll, I think a, a, to help this along, all right, make your campaign, make sure you have plenty of PC side points, you know, and pull these out of the background. like side plots. And that's where the backgrounds come in handy. So you have multiple points to draw them in and give them opportunities yeah. to role play. And, and that's and that's a reward in and of itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those side plots, right? What's what's going on? How does your how does your character's backstory, how does your you know, your character concept, where does that fall in the overarching campaign? And you can you can very easily weave that into the big campaign, and you can have a, a lot as a as a DM. You can have a lot of fun with that. Well, yeah, because you can weave in both the positives and the negatives. Yeah, yeah, and and that that adds a, a, another layer to the immersion that you know really you sh- you should be you should be trying to achieve. Well, it doesn't make the characters two dimensional. Right. We're not always just moving forward to the next thing. It's not a sheet of paper. Exactly. It's it's a living breathing three dimensional. It's like it's a person. It just happens to be, you know, documented on a piece of paper. Yeah, that's but just the rep- that's just the representation of the person you have become right. or trying to become. So yeah, having those the side plots are, is huge. And and it helps the game master plan the scenarios. Yeah. Um, the encounters, how you, you know, you, maybe you have an issue with a, a caravan because maybe your family, you know, was, you know, this guy, every time they caravan showed up, all they had was the, the leavings because you were the last stop. You're always the last stop. There was always crap. 
So you go to these caravans going, man, these guys suck. They never have anything good. You know, so you always have this disposition um, and this negative point of view against caravans and everything about it. So then you run into one. It's like, well, they got all this stuff. Well, you, you know, this is the stuff they normally have. Well, now you're even more pissed off at the one that you see on a regular basis. And knowing that there's others out there, maybe you ran into the same caravan and caught it in the beginning, you know, because you're out adventuring. And that becomes a plot, both good and, ne- and negative. Yeah, there's there's so much you can do with that. So, so much you could do with that. Uh, you know, family members, you know, family discord. Um, yeah, for those of you who don't kill off your families, because not everyone's an orphan, goddammit. Yeah, and and go back to our player backstory episode with Matt Fillion. Yeah. Um, no, the orphan thing. I hate that shit. Stop it. <laughs> Just stop. Have a family. And DMs, don't don't be one of those DMs where it's like, okay, they have a family. I'm going to wipe them out. Don't do that either. And don't kill their dogs. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, let them, let, them have a, let, them, let them have a family if they want to do that. Don't be that guy. Eventually, they want to retire and go back home and, and yeah. embrace mom and dad and sisters and brothers and stuff. Like, yeah, and don't turn them into, all right, uh, a raiding party of X comes tearing through and burns the village and kills everyone. Yeah. Cause now you made him an orphan instead of them making themselves an orphan. It's the same difference. Yeah. It's not a Greek tragedy. No. Yeah. Or an anime where everyone, all the heroes die at the end. Yeah. I mean, that part's pretty cool though. Well, yeah. A, a good, like, yeah, but they kill him off in the beginning too. Yeah. <laughs> Side plots. Side Very plots. important. That is going to encourage a lot of role play. If you know, you, you do it right. Well, hopefully they made their own backstory. You didn't have to make it for them. So they, yeah. they already have a certain investment into the character by, all right, this is what I, how I envisioned it and how they got to this point. That gives you a little bit of agency to Ex- play with that. Exactly. Yeah. So now you can develop it, and then their backstory starts to develop as, oh, maybe this and maybe that. Can I rewrite my backstory? Sure. You know, add to it. And the other thing is, you know, when you're creating these backstories, um, Keep them simple because you're if you're starting at level one or three, you really don't have that yeah, much. Yeah, of a you, backstory. yeah, you don't have yeah. fourteen volumes, Tom. You don't have fourteen volumes of backstory. Yeah, no DM should expect that you're you know you're writing some Game of Thrones shit. Yeah, you know, just, your backstory should not show up in a three ring binder. It could be as simple as a you know a full uh, a few bullet points, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be fancy. Don't get too fancy. There's not a DM on the planet that's going to want to read your your 10-page dissertation on everything that happened, you know, from the time your character was born up until their, like, 20th birthday. <laughs> Nobody's got time for that. And if you do have time for that, you need to fill your time a little bit better. You but know. to go along with your backstory, you know, use defining traits. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yep. What tell your players, tell them, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to create five character defining traits and then insist that they use them. When we played uh, the Donnelly file stuff, Lou's character had, um, he had a thing for three, the number yes. three. Yeah. And he had some OCD stuff going on. Everything, everything was in, in threes. Or divisible by. Or divisible by three, and the color blue was yep. a thing. Yep. So every bit of machinery he had or created, he it glowed blue. 
or sparked blue, or when it blew up, there was blue flames and blue smoke. (laughs) Um, And everything from starting his makeshift vehicle had to be cranked three times in a certain direction. It was... And again, paper towels had to get three paper towels. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that that stuff, uh, that kind of like non-dialogue role play adds another layer to your to your to your characters where okay so there's there's some quirks about them you know there's some things about them in certain circumstances that 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 they're going to do and but you got to you got to stick with them so when the shit's hitting the fan and and uh Tesla uh lose character is uh, fleeing from an angry mob of fungal zombies in the <laughs> Belgian Congo in like 1890, um, he he is still attached to that number three. Yes. Like touching the door to safety three times and that sort of thing. Well, uh, he had to wind up. He had, he had to, to he wind up his his pistol, yeah. and it's like one two three one two three because he had to do it three times three you know three times it was like one two three one two three one two three well things right in your face yep um but he's but but you, ha- you you have I, to wind it up and I still did it that way yep. too yep so you don't drop it when you know oh shit I could be in trouble if if I'm you know winding this stuff up three times and then another three times and then another three times no stick with it yep because that's your that's your character. Once you deviate from that sort of thing, your role play and your immersion is shot. Right. So yeah, embrace your defining traits, stick with them, and be creative. Yeah. But don't be debilitative. Like that wasn't debilitative. It no. was. Right. It made it. It added tension. Yes. Which is awesome. Yep. Added drama, which is awesome. And, but and it, comedy and a lot of and a lot, a lot of comedy, cases, a lot of places. Yeah. But it, it well, it usually wasn't debilitating. Usually. <laughs> usually. Pretty much everything Lou does is debilitating to everyone within a 15-foot radius. Both in real life and at the gaming table. Um, and as a DM, you should be role-playing your NPCs. Yeah, abs- absolutely. That's yeah. going to encourage That's going to encourage role-playing. That's going to encourage role-playing between uh, a player and the NPC or players and the NPC or NPCs. Right. So that's like kind of walk the walk, you know, practice what you preach and all that stuff like that. If you want your players to role play, then you have to demonstrate that as well. You know, and that could be any number of these things. Like um, if you're going to have, and players are infamous for this, you know, you have, you have someone that runs the, you know, the general store and they're in there and they're buying stuff for you know that every adventurer needs you know some walnuts or something like that and um walnuts like the nut not wall nuts that you put in the wall to affix something to it but you get the idea um maybe iron rash why would someone think that that? who knows I don't know. But still, for the purpose of clear because I But thank you for the clarification. In case someone someone, thought I don't want someone out there to be like should I have walnuts in my adventuring pack? You know, maybe a walnut is something I, you know, screw into a wall if my rogue needs to climb up the wall. To, it's, like it's, just, it's the summer ale that's doing it's, it. It's got to be. It's I guess I just, he started to go off net. I was like, what but the hell is he Maybe talking? we should create a magic item. Walnuts. Walnuts. Um, so <laughs> I don't even remember where I was. Yeah. Role play those NPCs. And if uh, your character, the, uh, 
Barest of NPCs, the shopkeeper, uh, if your players decide that he is now going to be their buddy or she's now going to be their buddy, as they often do whenever you don't flesh out an NPC. Yeah. Um, make it a point to take the time and do five character definer, defining traits for that NPC so that they they know and you can you can place that note in your DM's notes. and now Or you even can, two or three. Or even two or three, but five's such a better five's number. A five, I mean, well, this yeah. is five ways to right. There's well, for players, NPCs. Yeah, you don't you want it. You don't want to make player characters out of your NPCs. At some point in time, you have to. Well, at some yeah. Some, well, we have. They become <laughs> yeah one of those reoccurring NPCs. Yeah, at yeah, our table, half the time they end up going with the party, and someone ends up taking them over, and they become a player character. Sir Higgardeen. <laughs> yes. God's rest his soul. He's, he's gonna he's gonna start crying now. Yes, he is. That was one of my favorite characters. I, I've actually I've had a, quite a few favorite characters at tables. I'm I'm fortunate, and they all died around you. What does that say that, about you? Uh, that that says at some point in time, my dice roll lucky. <laughs> it takes a while, but they do. Even my fudge dice hate me. Oh, those fudge dice were horrible. <laughs> God, they were awful. Yeah, role play those NPCs. Bring life to them. If if you don't, your world is not. Your world's awfully vanilla. Well, this is your opportunity to break out your voices and dialogues yeah. and, you know, squeaky things. And, and you can write down to, you know, if he's constantly wringing his hands as the, as the game master, wringing your hands as he's, as he's you know, well, that's going to cost five gold pieces. Yeah. The sign says three. Sorry, that's the wrong sign. Someone moved it. I'll put that back where it belongs. That's five gold pieces. And you're, you know, meanwhile you're, you're kind of hunching your shoulders and you're wringing your hands as you know you're talking. It gives a, a little bit of visual along with the voice goes a long ways. Yeah. Because especially when you're at a table or even if you're virtual, they can see you. Immersion. 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 You know, try to become that person as an NPC, even if it is just for the briefest of encounters. It'll help enrich the game. I'll even like cross my eyes and stuff like that or have one go in the opposite direction. But then I always hear my grandmother's voice in the back of my head. You gotta stay the, like that. Stay like that. <laughs> and uh, then I get worried. And the only, the only time you can usually do that is right around the fifth or sixth beer. Yes. <laughs> when one eye just kind of drifts off all by itself. He the pulls a Marty Feldman. The I make <laughs> for my craft. He goes all Marty Feldman. Yep. Hump? What hump? <laughs> and that's five ways to get your players to role play. We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day. <laughs>